Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. And now, a word from our sponsor, Agora Pulse. We know how hard it is to juggle all the things in your business. Accounts, meetings, the never-ending inbox. That's why we've teamed up with Agora Pulse to give you more than five hours back a week when it comes to managing your social media marketing. No complicated Excel docs, long emails, or millions of open tabs. Simply manage all your social media channels in one place. Go to www.agorapulse.com forward slash Irish Tech News to get one month free. Now all you have to do is figure out how you want to spend those spare five hours. Uh, welcome to the podcast today. Uh, Jamil Hassan, your host, your first time host. Uh, today we have uh, a special uh, guest for you. Uh, his name is Matthew Lamarla. Um, and he is the co-founder and managing partner of Fifth Era, which manages blockchain co-investors, the world's leading blockchain uh, venture fund of funds. Welcome to the show today. Great to be here, Jamil. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so first question is, what is your own background? And it is, a, is it a logical background for what you do now? <laughs> so logic is in the eye of the beholder. But uh, I'll tell you my background. I came out to America 35 years ago. I had worked with a consulting firm, McKinsey. They sent me to Stanford Business School. And I never went home. And uh, I, my first career was a senior partner of large consulting firms, ran the global financial services group for Carney, ran, uh, co-ran the global digital practice at Booz, and had a couple of corporate stints in there as well. So back in those days, I was all about financial services. I was about technology and internet, and my clients were like Bank America, Visa, Barclays Global Investors, BlackRock. Uh, but also Google and Microsoft and Cisco and Intel and so on. So that's the first career. About 20 years ago, I started being an active tech investor here in Silicon Valley. I've been doing it for 20 years. And my narrow thesis and focus has been the internet and fintech and the digital economy. And so, you know, eight years ago, Alice and I were sort of hanging out. I just finished doing a bunch of digital wallet work for PayPal and we started talking about blockchain. Uh, people have been approaching us back then with ideas and business cases. Allison was senior partner at a big uh, private equity firm. And we, you know, the light bulb went on. And for us, the light bulb was that this new technology was going to make it possible to move in the second half of the journey that the world is taking towards a true digital economy. And so we lent into the space. We invested uh, in a couple of blockchain VCs. Um, Allison became chairman of the advisory board of Blockchain Capital. And we haven't really looked back since. We've been investing into blockchain and Bitcoin for eight years. We're investors in 20 of the top pure play VCs and in about 300 blockchain companies, including 20 of the unicorns. And we're all in. Uh, but uh, Jamil, it's because we began as internet fintech investors, and because of that, it was easy to understand blockchain. Okay, so I want to dive a little bit then into um, you know your actual investment mandate principles. What are what are some of those principles that you share? 
Okay, well, that's a good question. Um, you know, obviously, I've already told you that thematically we focus on internet, fintech, and blockchain. Um, we believe in global diversification because we're early stage investors. And when you're early stage investors, risk and volatility come with the territory, and diversification helps you mitigate that. So we believe in massive diversification. We believe that innovation is a global phenomena. So we want diversification by number of opportunities, but also by geography and also by investment theme. So if you think about the blockchain technology stack with foundation through transaction and on top applications, we want to have exposure to all of the leading and emerging unicorns in, in that space. We believe that you need to be investing with the best investors. We think you should selectively follow on invest. Um, and we don't think you should worry about the broader economic cycle. Uh, we think, in fact, there's evidence that uh, early stage technology investors do better uh, in a, and after a recession. So we, we invest through recessions uh, based upon those principles that I already described. So I hope that sort of answers your question, Jamil. It does. I do something similar on a on a smaller scale. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, you uh, you are a best-selling author. I'm an author too. Uh, but you've done uh, extensive research and recently conducted um, uh, an in-depth focus study of uh, ten thousand of your institutional investors and high net worth um, individuals about some common myths um, and fears, actually myths and fears uh, concerning Bitcoin. Yeah. Could you please provide us with a, you know, the snapshot of some of your key findings? You know, what, 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 what were those? Thanks for asking that, Jamil. Let me also just uh, mention that uh, I, I, I also have a couple of board hats, and I'm mentioning this because it's relevant to this study. I am a chairman of the Universal Protocol Alliance, which is a consortium of Bittrex, Uphold, SFOX, Trovio, uh, Certique, and others. Um, I am vice chairman of SFOX, which is the leading independent crypto prime broker here in America. And I'm also a European uh, uh, chairman for Securitize. And I mentioned that because as investors, I was intrigued to understand how other investors are looking at Bitcoin and this space. But given my other roles, I also really needed to understand what's going on and, and why are so many people not yet taking the first step. Uh, more than 90% of family offices, a similar percentage of uh, advisors and RIAs, most corporate treasurers, most pension funds and endowments. And actually, most people around the world have no exposure to Bitcoin. And as, as you already know, Alice and I have had that exposure for eight years. So I was wondering what's up and what am I missing? So we sent out the survey, very simple, simple, one question, what concerns you most? We gave them some ideas and then they could uh, pencil in anything else that they were con concerned about. And uh, I wish 10,000 people had responded. That isn't <laughs> true, but we did get a statistically relevant sample. So that's the good news. And in terms of the concerns, I know we're going to double click on some of them, but right at the top was um, my keys wouldn't be safe and I'd likely be hacked. The second top one was uh, Bitcoin's just too expensive now. I've missed the opportunity. The third was it's too volatile and I don't know what, where it's going to head next. The fourth was uh, it's not government issued, so it can't be trustworthy. And the fifth was 
it's only owned by a few people and, and it's really for them to make money. And there's a, a bunch of others. So we can, I don't know, Jamil, if you want to click on a few and I'll, I'll give you the backstories or, you know, but obviously there were a lot of responses and that was one of our findings, by the way. Sometimes you ask a question like this and everyone has the same concern. Here, it wasn't true. Here, a lot of different issues were surfaced by different people and, and that's an important finding as well. It means that there's a lot of confusion, a lot of fear and uncertainty, and a lot of different concerns that are holding investors back. And for those of us that are already in this space, it's incumbent upon us to sort of uh, resolve those issues and educate and help people understand which of their concerns are legitimate and which of their concerns are really sort of old news or maybe just misplaced altogether. No, that's good. That's good overview. Thank you. Um, I will. I will. I do want to dive into a few. Um, the number one fear you said that Bitcoin isn't safe to own. How do you feel about that particular result? Thanks. And yeah. what measures do you think you know the would ha would help you change your investors' minds? Yes. So this is a great one, Jamil, because perception always lags reality, and old news tends to linger around. So. Yeah, it's true, right? It's true. 10 years ago, the only way to earn Bitcoin was to try and figure out how to buy some. And you probably were doing self-custody. You probably owned your keys. And if you weren't pretty smart, you, you did run the risk of being hacked. I remember back then, 2013 or thereabouts, I tried to get onto Dwala and create an account. I couldn't even create an account. And, and in the years that followed, I worried a lot about this topic. It's why Alice and I don't have any keys in our own control. We uh, opted for GIB, uh, GBTC and later on BITW from Bitwise and from Grayscale uh, because they're paper-based investments. So the point of that is there are now ways. There are now ways for investors to get Bitcoin exposure without actually owning keys. Now, purists will say, if you don't own the keys, you don't own the Bitcoin. And that is actually true. But then the same thing is true of most other assets in the world. You know, you don't own the gold in your own vault most of the time. You, you buy a, a gold ETF or you have a third party custodian. Uh, you don't actually take possession of your IBM shares or your Tesla shares. You trade them through an institution and the institution provides your custody. And the same is true in Bitcoin. So at this point, we have secure institutional custody solutions in place for Bitcoin. No one needs to own the Bitcoin keys if they're uncomfortable doing so. Of course, if you want to, you can. It's one of the beauties of this particular asset. But conversely, institutional custody is in place. Paper-based products can give you the exposure if, if you want to go down that path. And at this point, this is really sort of a non-issue. I mean, where this is still relevant and you should ask the question, is the underlying security of the third party that you're going to trust, right? So if you're on an exchange, it could be Coinbase, it could be Kraken, it could be BitMEX, it could be Qcoin. You need to ask the question, are they secure, right? Um, and, and that's particularly true in this space because these assets are not insured by government entities. So if, if Qcoin gets hacked, just to use an example, uh, you may lose your value and you don't have any recourse. So um, you do need to worry about the custodial capabilities of the third parties you're 
you're going to trust. And I would say if you're working with a third party that doesn't have their own in-house technology, if they're outsourcing their custodial services to a third party, or if they don't have the skills in-house to manage the custody and security risks in-house, then maybe you should think twice about whether or not they're as good as they say they are. That's good. Um, no, I do get a lot of requests on LinkedIn from people who claim to be with, with Bitcoin.com or blockchain.com and say that they want to send me an email and have and they hold my keys for me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so that's plain old vanilla phishing. And, right. um, you know, that isn't a Bitcoin or a crypto specific issue. Uh, the fishers are out there. They're bringing technology and artificial intelligence to bear. And everyone in the world is getting spammed and fished and hacked. And it's got nothing to do with Bitcoin or crypto. I mean, you could be Google and your Gmail passwords are being hacked. You could be JP Morgan and who knows, you could be hacked tomorrow as well. Um, unfortunately, uh, the internet and the way we do business today is not very secure. And that's a problem we have to solve. But don't blame crypto and Bitcoin. That particular topic is uh, impacting every industry and every area of finance. It's not a Bitcoin crypto problem. Thank you for telling us that. I think it's awesome. Um, other remaining concerns, you know, um, that you had, um, which one most surprised you in the results of your study, which was like, oh, all wow. right. Yes. So, okay. It's thanks for asking it. I mean, we, we put in a couple of dingers, uh, uh, humdingers in there because we wanted to check. We weren't trying to trick people, but we did want to check whether fear, uncertainty and doubt was sticking because as you know, on every trade, there's two sides, right? There's people that want something to go up and there's people that want it to go down. And the people that want, to go, uh, want it to go down are in the business of spreading false information. And sometimes the people that want to go, uh, it to go up do too. And so one of the questions we asked was the classic one, um, you know, I'm concerned about Bitcoin because it's not really scarce. And it turns out a lot of people believe that. And they don't really appreciate that you can subdivide a Bitcoin into Satoshis, which are tiny, tiny little uh, decimal place pieces of a Bitcoin. But Bitcoin itself is, you know, a finite resource, 21 million over its lifetime. It's truly scarce. And that is forever. Um, so people get confused because they think that since we can slice and dice a Bitcoin, it means that it isn't scarce. And of course, that's not true. If you have a pizza, you slice up the pizza, you still only have one pizza. Now, um, there is a different aspect of this question, Jamil, which is, uh, it is also true that Bitcoin uh, can be forked. It's open source software and code. And so in that sense, it isn't scarce. You could infinitely copy Bitcoin and create other Bitcoins and you could make them better or think you are making them better by building on top of them. And, uh, and in that sense, you could see not so much uh, the, the subdivision of Bitcoin, but you could see a proliferation of Bitcoin. And there is some, you know, some risk that one of those other infinite number of Bitcoins could end up being the winner and being better than the Bitcoin we have today. So I think technological obsolescence and the risk of the forking of Bitcoin and the creation of competing Bitcoins, either on the Bitcoin protocol or on other protocols, is real. 
And in that sense, it's a little different from fiat currencies where, you know, America doesn't create competing American dollars. So we only have a finite number of fiat currencies in the world. We could theoretically have an infinite number of cryptocurrencies in the world. But there are other reasons why I think that Bitcoin has the first mover advantage and it'd be hard for that this particular concern to really hold you back. Uh, so that's the one that surprised me most. And it, it surprised me because so many people voted for it. Uh, but we weren't trying to trick them. We were just trying to understand their knowledge. Uh, I actually think it was about uh, one, or it was about 15% of people uh, chose that. Uh, you know, I can't invest in Bitcoin because it's not scarce. It can be subdivided end endlessly. You, uh, you mentioned first mover advantage. You know, um, Bitcoin has been adopted by just a small number um, of Fortune 1000 companies so far, the most notable being MicroStrategy um, and also Tesla. Um, but the actual number um, is in contrast to your focus group results, which you said um, that Wall Street greed was, uh, um, you know, popped up on the on the audience results. And, and right. you know, your, your high net worth uh, population and my blue collar friends say the same thing. Um, so how do you how do you dispel that? Because there hasn't been actually a lot of Wall Street movement yet. There is there is starting to be. Um, but how do you see the Wall Street playing out in the short, medium, long term? Okay, so thanks for asking the question. I think those are two separate topics. So let me just quickly hit the first one, which is corporate adoption and exposure to Bitcoin is the minimus. I agree with you. I think that there's been a handful of corporate treasurers so far who have announced any Bitcoin exposure, and those are very visible, Tesla, MicroStrategy, and PayPal Square, and people like this. And then the vast majority of corporations either haven't announced it, but I think the reality is most of them have none, and they're, they may be thinking about it, but they're probably a year or two away because they are not first movers. I think that's okay. I don't think that this should be something that you do run in and do willy-nilly. You have to be thoughtful. And certainly those issues that we talked about, like uh, institutional custody and access and trading, are really important for those people. And at uh, SFOX, for one, we're putting a lot of time and energy in creating enterprise-ready solutions for Bitcoin access. Um, now, the second part of your question was about Wall Street. And, and, and I wonder, too, um, we asked this question, uh, you know, to what extent are you concerned that Bitcoin has been taken over by Wall Street? Uh, and that's one of the reasons why you are less uh, interested in investing in it. And actually, quite a lot of people did check that box, but I don't know why, right? So sometimes you've got to double click to understand uh, what sits behind the issue. Here's what I'm speculating. I'm speculating that some people don't like Wall Street, and so they are more in the distributed movement. They really, really like the fact that Bitcoin is distributed and sovereignless, and anyone in the distributed community can buy and own and trade and, and use it. And they're worried that Bitcoin is going to become too institutional, and that that's going to both uh, make it less accessible, drive up the price, and maybe even introduce new rules and regulations that make it harder for Bitcoin to serve its original intended purpose. So that's one theory. A second theory is some people are fearful of Wall Street. They, they know that they're not as good as, at trading and investing as uh, 
professionals, um, institutional professionals. And so maybe that was the genesis of the issue that, you know, when they see Wall Street coming in, they're basically saying, I don't have an edge and I'm going to be disadvantaged. And so maybe it's time for me to leave the scene. And there is some truth to that. Over the last 20 or 30 years, retail investors have, for the most part, been disadvantaged by institutional investors. And we can talk about some of the whys and wherefores. Uh, but it's not a level playing field. Retail investors do not get the same advantages that institutional investors do. And I think that the government regulators are beginning to look into that. Um, but for Alison and I, we've lived in the world of institutional financial services our whole lives. And we think that when the professionals come in, it's good for the marketplace. You know, they bring in expertise, they bring in, bring in capital, they provide liquidity. And in the specific case of Bitcoin, the arrival of the institutional investors is a good thing. Uh, it's making Bitcoin a much more investable asset, in our opinion. And um, for those people that were early investors, I think you're going to reap the benefits that more demand is coming in and supply is capped. So price theoretically should go up. I mean, who knows? But price should go up if demand goes up and supply does not. Um, and so it's another reason to be a hodler. Um, but um, anyhow, long answer, Jamil, but that's the way I'd answer that question. I spent a lot of time on Twitter and everybody pretty much wants to go up as soon as possible. <laughs> so sure, sure. What do you think it will take, though, to really, really, you know, achieve mass adoption across the board? OK, so mass adoption of what? Of Bitcoin, of crypto assets, of digital monies? Both. Um, all three. Okay. Okay. So the my answer is different uh, depending upon which one you choose. So for Bitcoin specifically, I think we do have uh, critical mass adoption already, and I think the network has enough participants that it's pretty unlikely that it's going to go south. Um, <clears throat> by the way, one of the issues, Jamil, is that for you and I in America, and for people living in other well-organized financial marketplaces, the UK maybe the EU, Japan, or whatever, we don't really appreciate the utility of Bitcoin as much as the 4 billion people in the world whose fiat currency is untrustworthy, where they're fearful of hyperinflation and expropriation. <clears throat> For those people, the intrinsic utility of Bitcoin is much, much higher than I think it is for us um, because they fear every day that they're going to wake up on a Monday and discover the wealth they had in the bank or in a in an investment account has vaporized over the weekends. And, and, and you and I can't understand how much fear and concern that would generate. So Bitcoin solves that problem, and that's a huge utility. Now, so I, I actually think we've crossed critical mass there. Um, when it comes to broader cryptocurrencies, let me say that I do think uh, tokenize, tokens provide incentives to network participants. And in that context, there's some great networks, there's some great projects and protocols, and there's some great tokens as a result. And, uh, and, 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 and you're seeing that. Now, <clears throat> a token that is issued on a protocol or a project or a platform that has no meaning and no developers and has no direction and isn't going to go anywhere, I struggle with how that token can have true value. I mean, I think it becomes a speculative asset. 
um, because it's it's disengaged from intrinsic value. And I, I'm a little old fashioned, so I, I do look for intrinsic value. I explained why Bitcoin has so much utility. I think that if I went to say Polkadot or Ethereum or something like this, I would have no difficulty in showing you enormously enormous utility being generated by fabulous developers and engineers and scientists who are working furiously around it. But as you go down the token stack, you start running into dead tokens, tokens that have really don't have utility beyond being a speculative asset. And I don't even think they really deserve broad adoption, Jamil. So I care about the adoption of those uh, those valuable projects and protocols that have great purposes and are doing great work. And I'm not too worried about the mass adoption of these speculative assets uh, myself. And then the third answer to your question, Jamil, is to broaden it out and say, let's go get beyond crypto. Let's talk about digital monies, digital assets. And here, it is an inevitability. Every asset in the world and every money in the world is going to be digitized. Um, that was always true. It's just the last few years, the governments and major institutions of the world were a bit confused around the issue. We are eliminating all paper. We are digitizing every asset. It is inevitable. And the Bitcoin blockchain Satoshi Nakamoto conceptual breakthrough will get applied across whether it's real estate or funds uh, like Securitize is doing or whether it's across crypto commodities like Universal Carbon and Universal Gold that Universal Protocol Alliance is doing. Um, it's going to happen. And we, I agree with your point that there, in some of those asset classes, adoption is slower and more difficult, but it's going to happen. Uh, there, there is not going to be a future in which the world's most important assets and money monies are paper-based. That is not part of the future. <clears throat> and anyone who thinks it is uh, has their head stuck in the past. Fascinating. Um, well, I... Um... Thank you very much for being my first guest. And this has been a great conversation. I learned a lot. Um, I uh, actually, uh, when I want to ask you last is, uh, for those who uh, want to get to know more, get to know you better, uh, learn more about you, uh, how can they how can they contact you? Well, thanks a lot for asking, Jamil. Um, we have a website. We have two websites. The first is fifthera.com, fifth like the number, E-R-E-R-A.com. And there you'll find a free book about some of the things I've spoken about. If you type in fifthera.com forward slash resources, you'll find links to almost all of the critical essential blockchain papers that people like Satoshi Nakamoto or Ray Dalio or Fidelity have written. Um, and then the other website is blockchaincoinvestors.com. And that's our site for the Blockchain Venture Funder Funds. But there's a lot of resources there, too. And our goal is to sort of add value to the broader community. I agree with your point, Jamil, that you know 90% and more of the world's people haven't discovered uh, this area at all. And our goal is to on-ramp the next 100 or 200 million and be as helpful as we can be in that process. So hopefully those can be some useful resources. Thank you very much.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Agora Pulse. We know how hard it is to juggle all the things in your business. Accounts, meetings, the never-ending inbox. That's why we've teamed up with Agora Pulse to give you more than five hours back a week when it comes to managing your social media marketing. No complicated Excel docs, long emails, or millions of open tabs. Simply manage all your social media channels in one place. Go to www.agorapulse.com forward slash Irish Tech News to get one month free. Now all you have to do is figure out how you want to spend those spare five hours. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News, on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news, on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE, and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.